everybody. Welcome back to another Podmas episode of God Built This Podcast. I'm your host, Maxine, and we're on Podmas episode 12. We we did it, Joe. We did it, Joe. <laughs> we did it, Joe. Yo, we did it. We did it. Um, I just want to thank you all for listening. <laughs> I described these Podmas episodes as mini episodes that you can just get a sneak peek of, of what to look forward to when you tune in to the full episodes every Tuesday. So the full episodes will be more of what you heard in more detail and more in, in, in its moreness. So anyway, I just want to give a shout out to you all for listening, for tuning in every episode, every day for 12 days. You're the GOAT. We did it, Joe. We did it, Joe. <laughs> Do you guys know where that's from? <laughs> Kamala Harris. <laughs> so funny. So I got to find a soundbite for that and <laughs> clip that in too. But that's so funny. Okay, let's get into these topics. Because we, we definitely still have an agenda. <laughs> Remember, I always be like, what's the agenda? We have an agenda for this episode. Let's talk about this agenda. First of all, before we get into these topics, it has just been reported. Breaking news. Breaking news. Okay? Megan Good and Devon Franklin are getting a divorce. Um... Devon Franklin has filed for divorce against Megan Good. And uh, this, this like sparks up a lot of emotion for me and for many women who have bought into the whole, you know, it's worth the wait propaganda. That's really what it is. Um, for many young black girls who grew up in the church and were conditioned to believe that our purity will be rewarded with our ideal man, with our Devon Franklin, with our, you know, man of God. And I just want to say bullshit to all of that. Just bullshit to all of that. And <laughs> I knew it was bullshit even while it was going on and when I was much younger, when they first got together. During that time, so they got, let me give some context. They were together, Devon Franklin and Megan Good. They were together a good nine years. Um, yeah, so they were married, specifically married for nine years. And um, right at the beginning of their marriage, or even like a few months before they got married publicly, they were, of course, together, and they were going on this tour, this purity tour. And for those who may not know who Devon Franklin is, he's a producer as well as a preacher, I would say, but like a motivational speaker who just turned it up for God. Like he was really about this like man of God um, stance, and he stood for just waiting until marriage and waiting until God has blessed you with the right one and wait until marriage to then have sex with that person. 
and also with a kiss. I think, no, they did kiss. They did kiss, but they didn't do anything else. That's what they, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. So they, um, they were going on this tour, this purity tour, just encouraging everyone to, uh, to wait, to work, to be, to be convinced of that the wait will pay off. And he actually wrote a book. I think they wrote a book together, but it was really under him, but it was based upon their journey of waiting and their dating, how their dating experience with each other and with uh, separate people prior to them getting together and how they have found themselves um to each other and just like how it just be, how it was just like this mystical divine just appointment of their of their union and it sounded so good it sounded so good i was convinced because at that time i was how old was i when they got together so nine years ago i'm 30 right now what's the was that 20 Nine years ago, oh my gosh, I sound so fucking dumb right now. I promise you, it's just a lot in my head. Nine years, I was 21. <laughs> I knew that. I was 21. And even prior to that, I was still just getting in the groove of being this like purity girl, walking in her purity and just saving it for Christ and just really convinced that I will be rewarded for it. And look, I'm not here to, I guess I am here to knock everyone from that pedestal because it's just, I just want people to stop. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Okay? So anyway, I was convinced by it. I bought the book. And even though I was in that headspace of believing this propaganda, I still spotted the bullshit. I still spotted the bullshit. I still have the book in my bookshelf at home in Boston, in my bedroom in Boston. I still have the book. So when I go home, I'll be going home for the holidays. When I go home, I'm going to take a good look at that book, just blow the dust off of it, and throw it away. It's like, I won't throw it. I don't like throwing away books. But it's the fact that I bought the book, and, you know, sure, you know, marriages end. Some marriages end. It's, it's not supposed to be a longer term, and maybe this is just their season to just uh, depart from each other and be with other people or just figure out what they want to do but do it apart. I respect that. I'm not here to shame them, but I'm here to shame the purity culture. I'm here to shame the propaganda that it is, and I'm here to call it out. That's really my purpose here on Earth, and I hope this is received. So when I was reading that book, and it's called Worth the Wait, when I was reading that book, I was just excited to get into it. Like, oh, I want to see how they met. They're so beautiful together. And they just was an aesthetically pleasing couple. So I was reading the book. They started off about uh, how, they, how they met, the origin of their relationship. And apparently they met years prior to them officially dating. And they met on set because, again, Devon Franklin is also a producer. And we all know Megan Good is an actress. So they met on set briefly. Uh, Megan was in a relationship at the time. And in that relationship, she talks about how she always felt like she wasn't good enough in that relationship or that she was falling in love. Or the guy that she was with would make her feel like yeah, she wasn't good enough that she needed to continue to work hard and be a better woman 
for him. And it's always about doing more, doing more and not accepting her for where she is and who she is in that moment. She never felt that acceptance, which was an awesome um, just an awesome moment of transparency. I really appreciated that she was open with that because I, it resonated with me as well. And I love any transparent talk. So that was a beautiful start. And they eventually just kind of came across each other's paths again, her and Devon. And they just were single and available for each other. And boom, a relationship ensued. And um, they decided to wait until marriage to have sex. But what I found interesting about that was when they would go on these tours and go on these interviews and different radio shows and just different platforms and talk about their marriage or prior to them getting married in the steps that they took, they would say, Megan would say there will be times where she would spend the night over. Yeah, hello, you heard me. Yeah, yeah. She would spend the night over his place, and they still didn't have sex. I, is it the Twilight Zone? Like, is something going on with the sky? Stop, stop bullshitting me. Cut, cut it out. Cut it out. Stop, stop. Now, look, I don't know how often she spent the night over at his place. I don't know how often... You know, they spent intimate time. But she also said that whenever they will go out, most of the time, there will be, quote, unquote, chaperones. So other people around or they will have public dates. So it wouldn't be a situation where he's home, he texts her, hey, what you doing? Want to come over Netflix and chill? You know, Netflix and chill really means, really means Netflix and fuck. That's what it means. So they said they avoided that. But was what was interesting was that she also said there would be times when she would sleep over his house, but they didn't have sex. Okay. Uh, okay. Got it. So anyway, the rumors started flying um, a, couple of, a couple of weeks ago, I noticed. But now that I think about it, it's been a couple of months since I've seen any photos of them together. Now, I don't follow either one of them on any platform, but I would hear just like ripplings of either one would not have any recent photo of them together on any platforms. And it just seemed kind of suspicious, like, hmm, what's going on? And now that we see Megan Good in a, in a current show that's out right now called Harlem, I haven't checked it out yet. I heard it's full of shit. But I have a feeling that I may want to check it out during the time I'm at home so I could just, you know, have something to watch. So I may check it out then. But now that she's in this current show called Harlem, more attention is on her. And so I'm looking at her and I'm seeing all these other pictures of her out and about, of course, promoting her show. And we're seeing more pictures of her. But you see a different image of her, if that makes sense. You see her dressed, and look, I'm not here to shame women and how they should dress as far as, like, now that you are in proximity of your man, right? Now that you have a man, a husband. But I think there's a level of decorum. I really do believe in decorum in some sense. I'm not saying you have to look like a handsmade tail or handsmade, yeah, handsmade tails, right? Just handsmade. Um, but overall though, the way that she would go about in her recent images was very, I'm a single woman vibe. 
it was very much so my titties are out, my skin is out, I'm out and about, I'm smiling super hard, I'm standing really close to this other man, and it just gave me the vibe that this woman is no longer married, right? Or she is in the dissolution of her marriage. So it just didn't give me any impression that she is still a married woman and I did not see him with her like you would think if you're my husband I am currently promoting a show I'm going around and about and look we all have our respective careers and I know he travels for work and they will talk about how they've been long distance and they had to navigate that but I still think that's like bullshit like you could make some events that I'm at right? You could stand by me as I'm taking photos in promotion of my new show that's current right now. And I haven't seen any pictures of them together still. So that just further solidified that, okay, something is up. There's a disillusion. And boom, just today we see that he has filed for divorce. Okay. Which is so interesting. I really like, you know, I fucks with that. I do. I like when a man does it. I do, I do. I think um, um, particularly that he's a man who is supposed to be confined in the marriage because of his religious background, and he may have felt pressure to just stay in it, but I'm sure throughout their nine years of marriage, there were a lot of low points, and he was thinking like, look, I can't keep on living like this. I have to go ahead and move on. And as she is doing what she's doing, Maybe she just didn't have the heart to file or maybe she just didn't make the time to and was avoiding it. And Devon did the man thing to do and filed for what? Divorce. So congrats. Um, <laughs> no, but it's just, look, it is what it is. And it just made sense. Here's a quote that says, there's no one at fault. Um, so, okay, here's what, I don't know who said this, though. So, divorce after nine years of marriage, Devon and Megan, oh, so Devon and Megan told people exclusively, there's no one at fault. We believe this is the next best chapter in the evolution of our love. Oh, here's that bullshit. Shut up. How we have a, a new chapter in the evolution of our love, but we're getting a divorce. No, the chapter, the door, the book, the library is what? Closed. They also said, after much prayer and consideration, we have decided to go into our future separately, but forever connected. Okay. Um, we celebrate almost a decade of marriage together in a love that is eternal. There's no one at fault. We believe this is the next best chapter in our lives, yada, yada. We are incredibly grateful for the life-changing years we spent together as husband and wife. We are extremely, yeah, yeah, okay, great, great, great. Okay, all right, let's go. <laughs> like, I think, <laughs> you know, I feel like this whole pressure to end something with this, like, ribbon on top, like, saying, oh, but forever connected. But they don't have any, no, no offense, but they don't have any children together, right? Like, they're not necessarily forever connected. You could have been connected for that those nine years of marriage that binded you but no you're not forever connected so when you're moving on with the, your next partner are you still forever connected to Devon Megan and Devon are you still connected to Megan 
forever when you meet your new woman. Like, cut the shit. Cut the shit. But anyway, I wish them well. I do. I wish them well. And um, did I talk about the book? Yeah. So when I read the book, Worth the Wait, I was reading into it. I was like 20 pages in. And I spotted the bullshit. I was like, okay. There was a part when he describes, Devon describes their first kiss. And he describes it as this like magical, just outer body experience, which look, I do believe like I've experienced something like that as far as being so connected with somebody and feeling just out of your, like, it just feels so good. Like, I don't deny that. I think at that time though, I was reading it. And because at that time I did not experience something like that, I, I called it as bullshit. But I do believe that's a real thing, right? I do believe you can feel this magical feeling when connected with somebody, whether it's through a conversation, whether it's through just time spent, whether it's through a kiss, a hand-holding. I feel that a lot um, with Freckles Bay. So that's I agree with that. But I think the way that he described it, there's this – it's just – I don't know. It just came off like bullshit. Like, you know what I mean? Like – Maybe, maybe I'm being a hard ass right now, but I just came off very here, here, be convinced, be convinced, be persuaded into this worth the weight propaganda that I'm pushing upon you. Be this. So it felt very forced for me to believe this idea of what he's presenting of why waiting is worth it. And again, I respect everyone's... No, I don't. I don't respect everyone. (laughs) No, but I think overall, though, I feel like they did what's best. It's clearly... It just wasn't going to work. I I just don't... Look, and I don't want to push forward this, like, rumor that I've heard of Megan Good. But let's just put this in context. I think Megan Good, being that Devon Franklin was this religious and is, I don't know if he, I don't know, but let's say he still is a religious leader. You know, someone who still stands on particular morals or just like God principles. Megan Good had to fit a certain box to be good enough, ooh, pun intended, to be good enough to stand beside him and be his wife. I felt like she was trying to like put on this role or just trying to fit into what a preacher's wife looks like. And Megan Good is not the first person you think of as a preacher's wife. Like that's just reality. I'm not thinking of Megan Good when I think about a preacher's wife. Like she definitely is more provocative. And rumor has it is that she has been around looking, you know, it's her body, her choice, right? But all of that added into her recently not showing any pics of her and Devon together, her doing her thing, being out and about, and definitely giving and displaying single vibes gives me the impression that she's just doing her. So seeing that Devon was the one who filed for divorce just made me think that he felt just really turned off or maybe convinced that she is not the wife that he needs her to be for him. And that's fine. Like I don't, I don't consider him to be a misogynist for that or a chauvinist for that. I think 
both people have to be realistic of who they are just naturally at their core. Megan Good is not someone who can be with someone who is a preacher. Devon Franklin, with all that he stands on, he can't be with someone who is known for being around, known for just kind of doing what she wants and not like not being in this mold of who he wants his wife to be. And there are plenty of women out there who Devon can see better suited for what he wants his wife to be. And for Megan Good, if she chooses to marry again, I'm sure there is someone out there who can fit more of who she is and let that be a fitting space for both of them. But for them to be together, it just didn't make sense long term. I'm surprised it lasted as long as it did. And considering that they didn't go as far as to having children, I don't know if there was anything um, medically concerning there that prevented them from having kids. I don't think she even talked about it out loud. Maybe that's just something that she kept to herself. I don't know what was that about, but they didn't have kids together. You know what I mean? So there was nothing that was necessarily forcing each other to stay and stick it out and see it out for the kids. Let's do it for the kids, right, Ben Affleck? Um, but I, you know, congrats to them. Divorce! You know, every time I see, uh, say that, it's time for my divorce. Where's that from? Who could who could remember? It's from a, an amazing black classic. It's time for my divorce. And then he's like, um, he's, uh, what he's doing? He's, <laughs> he's tapping his wine bottle with a fork as he's saying that this is from the movie, but on bum brown sugar. When Tay Diggs finds out about his wife, Nicole Ari Parker, um, her character that she plays was cheating on him. Well, she just had I don't know she was changing. She was just a little Texan, you know? But <laughs> and then that scene was so funny. He's like, it's time for my divorce. <laughs> oh, Tay Diggs. Oh, I used to love Tay Diggs until I found out he married a white woman. But I know they're divorced. I, literally, they're divorced now. So <laughs> back to loving him. Uh, but yeah, congrats to them. Congrats to them getting a divorce. Let's move on to the next topic here. Now, I want to switch gears here and talk about something that just really caught me off guard. So Brian Williams, who is an anchor of MSNBC for three decades, he spent three decades anchoring for this platform and delivering news, hardcore news, hardcore politics. And he was delivering news for many different historical points in the three decades that he worked at MSNBC. I really enjoyed watching him as far as aesthetically. Like, I think he just had a nice presence about himself. And what's a fun fact is his his daughter, she was in a, a cast member, one of the main cast members of the show. What's that HBO show? Y'all know what I'm talking about, but it doesn't matter. Just that white show. It was like a, a weak version of Sex in the City. Anyway, Brian Williams signs off MSNBC with stark warning about America's future. And what's interesting about his departure is that he left like a cryptic message while leaving. So I want to read a couple of 
points that he touched upon and he speaks metaphorically which is beautiful you know as an English teacher as a you know a lover of words it was nice to kind of read that but I wonder where his head is at I think being in this scandemic that we're in being that we're still trying to find a sense of normalcy trying to find our way out of it while fear-mongering is still being pushed upon us there are a lot of people out here who are feeling hopeless and I look I could relate to that at times I deal I do feel hopeless um there are a lot of people out here who feel like well you know it's just gonna forever be this way and it's very doomsday-esque very doomsday-esque so Brian Williams said the darkness on the edge of town has spread to the main roads and highways and neighborhoods. Okay, this is like just literally verbatim what he said. So he's describing basically this, the administration that is now in power is not, is not doing what's right upon the people. He says, uh, the elected officials who swore an oath to our constitution, he believes that they have joined the mob and become something they are not while hoping we somehow forget who they were. Like, whoa, what are you saying, right? Um, he says, the truth is I'm not a liberal or conservative. I'm an institutionalist. I believe in this place and in my love of, of and in my love of country, I yield to no one. But the darkness on the edge of town has spread to the main roads and highways and neighborhoods. It's now at the local bar and the boil in the boiling bowling. Why is that hard for me to say? And the boiling. I feel like I'm saying boiling. You know, boiling water. How do you say bo, bo, uh, bo, bowling? Oh yeah, bowling alley at the school board and the grocery store, and it must be acknowledged and answered for. So you obviously he's not speaking in direct terms, right? He's not speaking in literal terms. He wants you to read between the lines. He wants you to see beyond his metaphorical language and understand what he's really and overstand what he's trying to say. Honestly, what I'm getting the impression of is that Brian Williams is upset he's upset with how this scamdemic is being run he's realizing that it's a scamdemic he is um feeling hopeless it looks like he feels like we are being failed by the administration that we are being lied to and gaslighted and he decided to not continue his contract with msnbc and to take this time to just leave which I commend. I think it's very commendable to stand on your own and stand on your own accord and realize, hey, I do not want to continue to work for a platform that may continue to have me push out rhetoric that I do not find alignment with anymore, at least. So him deciding to leave, I find it to be commendable. I wish him well. He spent a good amount of time at MSNBC I'm glad he didn't leave under messy circumstances. I think there is just respect had with how he handled things. I'm glad, you know, didn't turn out he's a pedophile or some dumb shit. You know, just some crazy wild stuff. 
So I, I like that. He says also the state of the the state of the nation is unrecognizable to those who came before us and fought to protect it, which is what you viewers must do now. So he's giving us a call to action. He's letting us know that we as viewers, as consumers, as citizens of this free world, quote unquote, we have to take action. We have to be the ones to protect our freedom, to protect our rights, to protect our privacy, et cetera, et cetera. And being that we're in this space right now where it is encouraged and not even just encouraged, but pressured for us to, to publicly announce our medical information. You know, lately, not lately, but since this pandemic has been the thing, everyone wants to just always talk about their health. Everyone just want to talk about their health. They want to make an announcement, hey, I got COVID. Hey, I'm not feeling well. Hey, I've been experiencing this, these symptoms. I mean, what happened to the days when what I'm going through is just inside of me, right? Like, what happened to the days when my cold is my cold and it's not your concern, Right. I think now we have blurred the lines between what's privacy and what is need to know information. Just like like if I'm not sleeping with you, then you do not need to know my status. Right. My STD status. You don't need to know that. But if I am sleeping with you, then that is an open conversation that should be had. But if I'm not, then that's none of your concern. I feel the same about everything else. Like if if my cold is my cold, right? Then you should not like I, there's no way on earth would I be asking people who I don't have any close relationship with or just like rent just people in like my coworkers whomever. I shouldn't have to ask you and you shouldn't ask me, "Hey, are you feeling any symptoms like this? Or you shouldn't ask me specific questions about my health, about my medical history. Like, if you're not my doctor, if you're not my man, if you're not my dad, like, if you're not anyone who's in, like, tight relationship with me, get the fuck out of my face. And I don't want to hear about your stuff. I don't want to hear about it either. Like, I hate getting messages from people who tell me that they're COVID, that they have COVID positive status right now and I just got tested I thought it was a cold but I just got tested I'm COVID positive and you know if you feel sick get tested and like trying to present this like again more fear-mongering like you'll be fine and what I find to be interesting is the ones who are feeling sick again the ones who are feeling um COVID symptoms again and who are being um, tested positive for COVID are all what vaccinated my God today. I mean, I don't even know how else to spell it. They're vaccinated and they still have COVID. Oh, but Maxine, the, the vaccine won't stop you from getting. That's not what was said from the beginning. Dr. Fauci, Fauci, you said that the vaccine will prevent the COVID from happening in you, right? It will prevent you from contracting the virus. And then boom, the goalpost gets moved and now it's, oh, well, you can still get it, but it won't be too bad. Oh, the goalpost is moved. Oh, well, you can still get it. It may be bad, but you won't be hospitalized. Oh, the goalpost is moved. Okay, well, okay, you're going to get it. 
uh, it will be bad. You may be in the hospital, but you won't die though. You'll be fine. You won't die. Okay, the goalposts, the goalposts, the goalposts has moved yet again, and you're vaccinated. You got it. It's bad. You're hospitalized. You're dead. I mean, what in the, what are we talking about? So you telling me you have COVID, you're vaccinated. Okay. Okay, thanks. Like what? I mean, there's no relief at this point. Here comes my hopeless doom attitude coming in right now, full effect. But there's no, like, it's no, there's no remedy, it seems like, according to what this society is pushing for us to fall in line with. So, yeah, I support Brian Williams <laughs> for deciding to hop off MSNBC because he is seeing that a lot of the elected officials are not doing what they should be doing, and that is protecting and upholding their promises and doing what needs to be done for the American people. He says, where else, how else was a kid like me going to meet presidents and kings and the occasional rock star? So what's amazing about this quote is that he definitely had reverence and respect for the position that he's in or that he was in for three decades. He took much honor and privilege in the position that he had. He took it as a great opportunity to see presidents and kings and those who are elected officials. And this was something that he took with so much praise and so much care and gentleness. And to finally see the president or the king or these elected officials in person and see them work and operate and behave and being disappointed, being disappointed that this elected official, this person that came into power because of this campaign that was concocted, but it turns out everything that was campaigned is a lie. I think it really had a hold on Brian Williams. I think he really felt just like a dream of his was just popped. Like this idea and this uh, persona or this, this, this belief in the system was now tainted and he just can't see beyond that anymore. He can't, he can't just put up with the BS and push forward a lie anymore. So I respect him for deciding to just chalk up the deuces and move forward. I don't know what his next steps are, but, you know, of course he got money. I'm sure he could just not work for the rest of his life and be good and his family and his children be good. Everything is fine. Let's talk about Operation Dark Winter. What was I watching? Okay, I was watching another podcast, and they were talking about this. They just said the term, Operation Dark Winter. I'm like, hmm. He's like, look it up. Look it up. And they said a couple of words about it. I'm like, okay, of course, I'm going to look it up. Because <laughs> one thing about me, I'm going to Google it, okay? Or I'm going to what? Duck, duck, go it, okay? I'm going to do either one. I'm going to YouTube it. I'm going to duck, duck, go it. Or I'm going to Google it because I like information. So bioterrorism is what Operation Dark Winter is. What is bioterrorism, you ask? It is a biological attack with the goal to cause illness, fear, death, societal disruption, and economic damage. 
And what's amazing about this term is that this this thing, this this noun is describing what we what we all are experiencing at this time. Many of us are feeling fearful, are uh, feeling illness, feeling this fear-mongering tactic that is being pushed every day, and we're trying to find our way to navigate in the spite of. And this is all an operation. This is all uh, a, a tactic, a strategy to continue to push us as human beings in our lowest vibrational self. So think about the fact that now, apparently COVID uh, cases are rising uh, with this new variant, Omicron, initially. And I still think it's not a big deal because the when it was found in, was it South Africa? They said it's a mild case. It's not a big deal. But as soon as we got we got wind of it, suddenly the media in the USA is making it more of a big deal than it should be. So it's like, okay, what am I to believe here? Is it a big deal or is it not? Either way, you know, mind over matter, mind over matter. So anyway, this may be uh, an attempt to push forward this operation, this Operation Dark Winter. And apparently, bioterrorism has been used as a type of of warfare, warfare, has been used as a type of warfare for many years throughout history. So here are some examples. In World War I, Germans infected allied livestock with anthrax. Boom, that's one example. In World War II, plague-infected fleas were dropped in China, resulting in over 50,000 deaths. Now, I want to talk about something real quick just came to my mind. In the biblical era, we had leprosy was a big thing. It was a plague. And many people who had leprosy, of course, passed on. And this was a big deal during the biblical times. So that could have been another example of bioterrorism as well. In 1984, a cult put salmonella bacteria in salad bars in Oregon to prevent people from voting in elections. In the 1990s, a cult produced a chemical attack with sarin nerve agent in Tokyo. In 2001, U.S. citizens were infected with anthrax through U.S. Postal Service deliveries. Like, the list goes on. And currently now, we have COVID that was created in a lab in China, right? (laughs) I need to work on my Trump expression. Um, But... We have all of these all of these examples of how bioterrorism has been used and implemented throughout history to continue this type of warfare to entice fear, to entice worry, to entice illness, all of these things to continue to put down the human soul. We also see this in examples of different movies like 28 Days Later, the Stephen King film called The Stand. I haven't seen that one, but look, Stephen King has some good-ass movies. I know, you know, we got to be mindful of what we consume so we won't be too affected, but there's a movie called In the Tall Grass by Stephen King's on Netflix. Yo, hey, my God today, so good. I'm the type of person, like, I don't like to watch movies more than once 
I just I feel like it's like okay, it's done. Like I I already went through the emotion. I don't feel like watching it more than once, especially if it was already heavy for me. Like even for like fictional movies, like I find a way to try to figure out the lesson behind it. There's a lesson in every movie. That's my perspective. And when I watched that movie in the tall grass by Stephen King on Netflix, oh Lord, it was a lot. This is the other movie that he has on Netflix. Um, he's uh, it was actually based off of a true story too, which freaked me out. It was really good. I think I may actually watch that again. Maybe not today. Definitely not today. But it's a woman. She's uh, <laughs> her husband. They go on this this wooden area for a weekend getaway. They try to spice up their sex life. Their marriage is failing, and they decide to go on this trip. So they go on to this uh, wooden getaway. He, like, they decide to do something a little frisky in their sex life. He ties her up, consensually. He ties her up on the bed, and um, they're getting it on. Suddenly, and mind you, these uh, married people, husband and wife, they're probably in their late 40s, early 50s. So they're a little bit older, but not like elderly. Anyway, he passes. He dies while he's having sex with her. And uh, she's like, wait, hello? Brian? Brian? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember that was his name. But Brian? Brian? He's on her dead. Like, he just has a heart attack and he, he's gone. So, of course, I'm, tra- you know, she's traumatized. She's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, she's traumatized. She had enough energy to kind of push his body off of hers. And yet she realizes, oh, yeah, hold on. I'm trapped. <laughs> like, hello? I, I can't. When I tell you she was they he tied her on the bed consensually i'm talking about arms and legs are tied from the points of the bed and so not only am not only is she traumatized she's she's like okay what the fuck do i do now like yo what is the name of that movie i'll yo i'll if you ask me if you want to talk to me afterwards (laughs) i'll tell you once I find it, but I don't feel like looking up right now. Yo, you know, let's look it up. Let's look it up. Hold on. Netflix. Um, yo, that movie. So anyway, I'm trying not to, um, say too much. I'm really not trying to say too much, but so anyway, let me just talk about it. So real quick. So she, she's trapped. Yes. It's popped up. Okay. Perfect. Hold on. It's right here. They just showed it. What's it called? Gerald's game. Gerald's game yo yo i think i may just watch that again i I know i just said that i don't like to watch movies or like heavy movies more than once but my god today hey pt yo in the okay and the other movie that i was talking about it it wasn't in the tall grass it was called in the high grass yeah in the high grass Yo, both of them are so good. Yeah, but the movie that I was just talking about, Gerald's Game, where she's trapped on the bed, her she's tied up, her husband passes away while having sex with her. She was able to push him off the bed, but she's trying to figure out how to get off. She can't scream and get help because there are no neighbors. They're in a deserted area. They're in the fucking woods. 
okay? Um, so she had to kind of go within herself. It's like a really powerful movie, though. She has to go inner to find that outer solution, which is really a lesson, right? Like, what what do I do about my job? What do I want to do about my relationship? What do I want to do about the next step in life? You Instead of asking everyone else, ask yourself. You have to go inside, dig deep into thoughts and feelings that you have been experiencing, and you'll find the answer. Everything is, is inside of you. And what's powerful about that movie, Gerald's Game, is that it really touches upon that re- that truth that everything is in the answer is in you you have the answer you just have to sit back reflect and figure it out you'll figure it out and so that's exactly what she did she eventually figured it out how to get off from um the the handcuffs and the leg cuffs and she eventually did but Yo, please go watch that. Tell me what you think. Gerald's Game. Yo, that movie is so good. Again, it's on Netflix. And check out the other movie called In the High Grass. Woo, my God, today. So good. So good. Let's see what time we have because I'm not – look, I already gave y'all a whole freaking hour. Okay, we got 44 minutes. I'm going to end it here, you all. Thank you again for listening to every episode of this Podmas series 2021. Again, we will not be releasing a new episode next week because um, I need to give my time, give myself rest, right? I need to just chill out. Uh, the next new episode of the main full episode of God Built This Podcast will be out the first week of January, back to business on Tuesday. So again, look forward to the next episode of God Built This Podcast on Tuesday, January 4th, okay? We are on break next week, which is the last week of December. And again, thank you for listening. Goodbye.